Hey guys, it's Landon, and I'm just sitting here enjoying playing some Spanish guitar. Lately, we've been making some bigger moves, and we've just switched to Acast, so that we can reach a larger audience. And if you have the time, right now, I'd appreciate it if you'd go review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, because it would help us get better traction. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. So, basically at that point, I was just a pile of bones, and the officer looked at me and said, man, he really did a number on you. And then a piece of paper slid out from under my ribcage that said, you should see the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Welcome to the Questionable Guide to Life. We're back, and... uh, me and uh, and Johnny are joined today by uh, by my good friend, my buddy, my pal. Uh, almost died with this guy in the river, uh, in the Buffalo River. Uh, Bill Simons. Hello, good to be here. And um, yeah, I was actually on the other side of the river, sitting on the beach, trying to grab the luggage that had fallen into the river. And it was like pitch black at this point, but I could still see. You, Cody, and Tanner clinging to that rock. I think you mentioned it in detail in episode two. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, man. That, that, was, was, that was intense, man. It really was. And I remember uh, that next morning, you were like, oh, hey, I managed to grab your backpack. And I was like, what? Because like, I thought all of our stuff was just gone, period. Um, and... Actually, something interesting happened with your stuff. Uh, I think it was a couple, like a week or so later. Yeah, actually. Um, it was a bit longer than that. Uh, I think it was like two months or so. But um, oh my. Right. I got a, a message on Facebook from some random guy saying, Hello, you don't know me, but I know you. I found your backpack in the river. Um, if you ever want your driver's license, cash, and your GameStop rewards card, <laughs> you need to send me a video of you doing tricks with a puppy and calling it a good boy. So I said, give me 30 seconds. And I, I was at home with my parents at the time, and you know my dog lives there, so <laughs> I just had my mom record me doing a few tricks with her, making her stand up and speak and then sent the video to him. He was like, all right, I'm here. You can come collect your things. So <laughs> I just got in my car and I, I was, so I just drove up there and ended up Dude, talking with them for a while. And you know, what's, what's really uh, cool about it is I know how much money I had in my wallet and they didn't touch a cent. There was $124 in cash in there. <laughs> I tell you what, though, these these tender verification videos are getting ridiculous. (laughs) I've taken your ID. Find me on Tinder and you can have it back. (laughs) Can you imagine like swiping through to try and find them and then you accidentally swipe left on them? So you're like, fuck, now I have to pay for tender gold. (laughs) So you go back. (laughs) Damn it. Your so, Land Rewards card was denied. 
<laughs> so, uh, Bill, I actually want to talk to you about uh, about just voice acting in general and voice work uh, as a whole. Um, Bill was actually the person that got me into audio dramas. I had like maybe listened to one or two before that, besides just audiobooks. Um, but he showed me the Sandman, and I personally I feel like it kind of ruined me. Um because I have really high standards now. Yeah, th- that's what happens when you listen to the best one first. Um, I I work landscaping, so me and the guys I work with, we listen to audiobooks and audio dramas all day while we work, and uh, we recommend books and stuff to each other. Um, so yeah, I listened to The Sandman, and I was like, oh, he's going to love this. Yeah, he showed it to me in the car one day um, and said, you should, you know, you should give this a listen. And he played like probably five minutes of it and then he stopped it. And I, I said, no, you should you should keep playing that. I was listening to that. Um, <laughs> and he said, this is part two. And I, I said, OK, all right. And so I think it was about a week or so later, um, I ended up getting a uh, an audible subscription and I got the Sandman, and then I bought part two. Because um, I was just, I was so enthralled by what Bill had shown me. And honestly, without you showing me the world of, of audio dramas, I don't think I would ever have started working on my own and realized that you know, that's what I want to do. So I, I really thank you for that, man. Um, well, no problem. You know, it's such an untapped... Well, you know, th- there are a lot of people to do it, but it-, it just seems like it hasn't been discovered yet by the yeah. mainstream, if that's what you want to call it. But I would um, fully agree with that. And I was actually thinking that same thing um, today, actually. I just finished um, the audio drama Margaret's Garden. Um, I'm on episode five of that. Oh, man. It's so it's it's so good. Um, it's weird. It, it is weird, good, you know. <laughs> um, but it uh, it does come around full circle um, with the story, and and in, it ends very beautifully. And one of the uh, the writers and creators of Margaret's Garden is uh, Pacific Obadiah, who is one of my favorite um, podcast like sound designers and writers. He also does SCP Archives, um, and uh, I believe Lake Clarity, um. And just about anything that he has his hands in comes out wonderful. Um, and that's what kind of, you know, jumping into the world of, of those audio dramas and listening to my first one was the Sandman. And then eventually I picked up alien. Uh, and then you got me into Arkham County, which uh, Arkham County is wonderful. The the sound is so phenomenal in it, and I just hate that when you go look at reviews for it, people don't like it because there's not a narrator. It doesn't even need a narrator. It's That's just what three I separate story arcs, and they it, it it really doesn't need a narrator. And I'd say that one's perfect for anybody who wants to see what all the fuss is about H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, everybody's heard of The Call of Cthulhu or Lovecraft or, you know, all that kind of stuff, but you know, not everybody wants to 
read a hundred year old pulp fiction magazine i'd say it's a great way for somebody to d discover what hp lovecraft is all about oh yeah I'd, I'd fully agree um i actually listened to arkham county at work and uh there were times during it that i had to just stop what i was doing and like like when uh when randolph carter would speak anytime because i i adore the uh i the name escapes me of the voice actor that plays randolph carter okay yeah so he is so good um oh, yeah in that role and I, I hate that when I go in and look at a lot of these audio dramas um, that are in the form of, I guess you could say a podcast like Margaret's Garden, um, if you go to their Twitter, most of their tweets only have like one or two likes and a couple shares um, because on social media, it, it feels like the presence isn't quite there for people. Like they don't think, you know, Oh, this podcast has a Twitter. Like, let me go get a hold of them. Besides things like uh, Old Gods of Appalachia, super popular on Twitter. Um, but it's still not on the scale that you would think. Um, and yet they get all of these ad partnerships and, and they make um, an okay amount. But at the same time, like, like you were saying, it seems like it's a... Uh, getting more popular but it's not quite there yet yeah but you know the radio plays uh, that's what they used to be called they've been around since a long time ago i mean the orson wells's war of the worlds broadcast caused an uproar in society because everybody thought aliens were invading the world but yeah uh, i'm sure you heard about that that's a uh... So it's really not that new, but it's still it's, yeah, under it's the not radar. new, but it's it's essentially new to our culture, if that makes sense. Because um, they uh, so there was um, way back now, Dirk Mags actually did a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio drama. Um, he did, yes, and it's it's pretty good. It's very hard to find because it's so old. Um, but oh, this was this like was about. Out. I want to say this was like the really late 90s or early 2000s, but it was it it's been, you know, about 20 years. I honestly I want to reach that <laughs> that level essentially of of talent where I can put together these really good soundscapes and uh and honestly sound design is like the biggest thing for me, I think, just in the in the vein that I'm essentially creating a movie in someone's head. Because yeah. I think theater of the mind is so powerful that you could imagine a movie in your head that's far better than anything you could ever create. Because it's, it's individual. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like when you're watching a movie or something, you're, you're just kind of accepting what's being um, delivered to you. But when you're reading book or when you're listening to an audio drama you're actually painting the picture in your head and uh, i think that's what makes it really special is everybody's seeing a totally different picture in their head and it's and is borderline mindless to consume like exactly even you don't have even to though, stop to do it yeah, yeah like yeah like you could you could do it while you're on your morning commute while you're drawing while you're just, 
doing chores around the house. But it's not as so it's not as time consuming as doing it like reading an actual book would be. Yeah. Uh, like there it, were it, there were some scenes in uh, Arkham County, especially where I was just you know, like I said, I work landscaping, so I was I was mowing uh, a lawn when I um first heard uh, a childbirth scene, and I was like, oh my god, this is this is weird to listen to while I'm on a mower. Oh, I was actually kind of excited here. Oh. <laughs> when I finished um, Arkham County, I was actually weed eating at my house and I was, I'm just sitting there, you know, like just chopping away at the weeds and it's the Randolph Carter scene um, where they're in a car chase and you mm-hmm. can just hear that, like the, the Tommy gun blaring essentially. <laughs> and I, the whole time on the outside, looking in, they're like, Oh yeah, it's just some guy like sweating a little too much while we eating. <laughs> but, but then in my ears, it's like, bam, bam, we gotta go. <laughs> it's a totally different world for you versus what other people yeah. see. They Let think, oh, it. he must be thinking of in his ears. Yeah, in his ears, exactly. he was fight. In his ears, he was fighting a war with a horse fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have a question, real quick. Have you ever uh, had your headphones in? Um, and you're listening to like an, an audio drama or something or an audio book and you go into a bathroom and you sit down to use the bathroom. Are there times where you're like, I need to turn this down a little bit. <laughs> Even Absolutely. <though> it's- <laughs> I, I can't, I can't concentrate on what I need to do. Yeah. So at work, sometimes I'll have uh, a headphone in and I'll be listening to something. I'll sit in the bathroom and I've got it turned up a decent amount. And I'd be like, man, I just, I always feel like other people can hear it, but I know that there is no way possible that they even hear that turned all the way up. Oh, uh, especially not when you're on a riding mower or <laughs> when you're yeah, running a weed eater or something. There's there's no way anyone's hearing it. Yeah, but you're just, just out of politeness. You're like, oh, okay, let me, ch- my bad, sorry. And they're like, this guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> So the Johnny mentioned the horsefly thing. I have I have a funny story. Um, so one night, me and and Johnny and all the boys were were in Discord, um, just kicking it. And I open the uh, in my room. There's a door that leads outside, um, and I open it just to you know let some air in. It's it's extremely hot in my room, and so. This ginormous horsefly comes in, but I thought, I well, I, I don't know what I thought, but I didn't think it was a horsefly. It was just massive, and it was buzzing around my light, and I was just watching it for a minute, and I was like, hmm, that's a really big bug. But I thought it was, you know, something harmless, some kind of big beetle or something. And then it lands on those little cabinets that are in my room, and I realized, like, I I probably said this out loud. It was probably the first out loud thing I said. It was like, oh my god. It's like, that's a horse fly. And I, it was so big that I had to leave the room and go get someone and bring them in here just so I could, you know, verify with someone else that this was real. Like I went, I went out of there and I was like, mom, I was like, you, you got to see this. Mom, come help me kill this bug. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And we come in here and my mom's like, oh my God. And I was like, yeah, I know. And I like, I put my shoe in my hand and I'm like, you know what? Like this whole time also, my mic is turned on and everyone can hear me. Um, and I just say like, I, I feel like if I hit it with my shoe, it's just going to catch it. 
And uh, then at one point, I said, if it bites me, it's just going to rip my fucking arm off. Um, and I, there was a point where I asked my mom uh, if they just sell hand grenades. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny because I'm in the Discord call when all of this is happening. And all of us are just dying laughing. <laughs> Oh my god! And I remember hearing everyone laugh at the uh, the grenade thing, and then <laughs> I heard an uproar from my computer, and that's when I realized, like, it, it kind of clicked that my mic was still on when I was uh, I was getting the fly out of the room because mom had like smacked it and like just stunned it, didn't even kill it, and uh, then she curb stomped it. And I, I got it out of the room, and I looked at mom, and I was like, "I can't wait till that thing comes back as a cyborg." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then after that, we were talking about like, what if another like Vato fly shows up, and he like has a vendetta <laughs> against you? He's like, "Yo, fool, you killed my brother. I'm coming back for you." <laughs> horse fly two, the return of the horse fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually, every time I leave my room, I look over my shoulder. <laughs> I can't be out in public and feel safe. And uh, the other day, actually, I went by a friend's house. And as I'm like sitting there, you know, texting, I'm like, I'm here. Um, I roll down my window for a second. Um, it feels nice outside. And a big ass horse fly like flies in the car. And I, I opened my car door and step out. And I was like, nope, nuh-uh. This is not the time that this happens. And uh, it's, in my head, I was like, it's the revenge. It's I, when I least expected it. <laughs> and just massive horse fly, like comparable to the size of that one that was in my room. Um, <laughs> and I just waited it out. And in my head, I'm like, this is your car now. It's like, good luck paying the insurance. I don't know what a fly makes, but I don't know that you can pay it. I, I guess I wanted to ask you as well, um, what made you want to pursue uh, just narration as a whole? Oh, me? Yeah. Because like, I, I know you, you want to uh, narrate audiobooks, and, and when I mentioned getting into audio drama, you were one of the first people to just jump in and be like, if you need any help, I, I, would, I would love to be a part of it. Well, I mean... Uh... It'll be there forever, long after I'm gone. You know, that, that really sunk in this one time. I was reading uh, The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler, and uh, the recording of it was... Um, it must have been recorded back in uh, the 50s, and um, I it just kind of dawned on me. The guy who recorded this is long dead, but this little piece of him will be preserved forever. And I just thought, you know, there's... Who knows what I'm going to make of this life? I mean, right now I'm a I'm a federal contractor. I'm a landscaper. So, you know, what big impact am I going to make? But this way I could actually be bringing the the power of books to people who you know, maybe they're like me, they don't have time to sit down and read a paper book. That's what I'd prefer to do, but you know, maybe they're um Maybe they're blind or dyslexic or something, you know? I, I mm -hmm. would actually be sharing the the power of literature with people who don't have the ability to get it themselves. I love that. 
I think for me, it's just I in my brain, I have all these ideas and I couldn't think of, you know, besides writing them um, as little stories, um, I couldn't think of a way to get that out in a, a way that I guess could express the scope of what I wanted in a way that was affordable. Yeah. Um, because, you know, movies cost an insane amount of money and animation takes an insane amount of time and an insane amount of money as well. Um, if you don't have the time to learn animation. Um, and when I discovered, I guess the world of audio dramas and lately it's been expanding and expanding and expanding. I, I feel like every week now I'm sending you these screenshots of, of stuff to check out. Um, yeah. And I listen to so many that I'll go back and re-listen to some and I'll be like, man, I guess I missed this part or something. And um, just because I've listened to so many now that I'm like, oh God, I forgot about this one. Um, I do try to finish them though so that I don't end up doing that. Um, but there are those like uh, the hotel, um, which is a uh, bloody FM um, podcast is really good. It has like 10 minute episodes all the way to up to like, I think uh, there's a 45 minute episode at one point. And then uh, theater of tomorrow is another one. Theater of tomorrow is actually very similar to uh, what we're looking to start in that theater of tomorrow does um, essentially they'll do a series that has uh, between, you know, like two and 10 episodes, just something like that. And then they go to a different, series they come up with a new story um and i hadn't really seen that done and so for a while i was like how do i pull that off without having to have 10 shows um and hmm. that's when i came to uh create auditorium um it's just essentially the the idea is to have auditorium as a sort of production in itself, like it is auditorium is a show with all of these other little shows inside of it, like theater of tomorrow does. And some of them like submersible is going to be a one shot, which is, uh, one that, um, you don't know anything about it now, but, um, and that's at the listeners. Yeah. Um, but you will, it's just a matter of, uh, of timing and figuring out when everything's actually going to be released because I want things to be ready. Um, I, I don't want to release, you know, one episode and then like six months later, bam, here's a whole series. Here's, here's a five parter. Um, and right. I, the time frame won't be like that, but I don't want anything like that to happen. And so I want to have, you know, several things ready to go. And what I would like to do is run them concurrently in that, you know, um, say if Submersible uh, was five episodes and another one was five episodes, you know, it's going to be episode one, two, three, four, and then five, and then a new series starts. So it's not going to be one of those things like, shit, this episode came out and now I got to wait a month for episode two because they're going to, you know, play other things in the interim. But we are also going to have a Patreon, um, which will enable people to see all of the uh, 
all of the concept art um, behind everything, all of the uh, like little behind the scenes clips, just, you know, all the fun stuff people will get to actually take a look at and have that behind the scenes. And then we will have a, a discord that's through Patreon as well. And that'll just be, you know, something as simple as like the between one and I guess, $5 little tier, you get to join the discord um, and actually talk to us. And I, I do plan on having a section of it for the voice actors. That's just for the voice actors to bounce stuff off of each other. Cool. Um, and I'm gonna, um, essentially people will get a chance to talk to everyone too. Um, in like, we're going to have a general chat and so we will be able to chat in there, but I want to have those times where we get the cast in a discord call and we pull people into the call and, you know, answer questions and stuff like that. I just want to incorporate people into it and see if I can kind of, uh, in a way, broaden our reach that way by me being more interactive with people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. let me tell you man i i didn't do a lot of digging to learn anything about the production of audio dramas it's not a uh i guess a super commonly taught thing people don't so know as much I, about it as they do about movies and yeah so i had to reach out to a lot of people i had to join um I'm in a podcaster support group on Facebook that, that anytime you have a question about anything podcasting related, you can post in there and they'll respond to you. And uh, there's, there's a couple podcast gurus in there that run those little, like how to start your own podcast type podcasts. Um, God, there is, I forget this guy's name, but anytime someone posts a question related to like advertising or paying for something podcast related, they'll tag the same guy. Like there'll be like a hundred comments just tagging the same guy. <laughs> so there are some fountains of knowledge in there, but you really have to search for them. Bet that guy's just sick of it by now. Well, I'd imagine he may, <laughs> he's got to make something off of it. I would hope so. Yeah, he's just like, yo, bro, uh, listen to my podcast. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> my podcast. Subscribe to my Patreon $5 tier and I'll help you. <laughs> oh, you thought this service was free? <laughs> yeah, we don't have a Patreon for the show. We actually have an OnlyFans for the show. Um, <laughs> it's the same things posted there that would be on the Patreon, but we wanted to go a, a crazier route. <laughs> so when people ask me what I do for a living, I'm like, oh yeah, OnlyFans. And they're I considered like, starting really? an OnlyFans. Yeah. Was that a consideration for you? It was. It was a, a brief thought. You know, I just um. Well, <laughs> you're like, can I? It is. Okay, is this the right the place? Business? Is Absolutely. this the right place to plug my OnlyFans, or am I supposed oh, to pretend yeah. the, I the don't have one? The questionable guide is questionable for a reason. Okay, well, you know, it's a uh, a Big Willie sixty nine. Um, that's my username. 
holy shit, a lot of money just hit my bank account. People are already <laughs> subbing. <laughs> that's, the, that's the reach of a podcast, man. Taking off my shirt right now. <laughs> Mid-interview. Start- <laughs> you know, I thought about starting an OnlyFans where I just mow grass uh, and then like do custom messages to people telling them that I'm proud of them and just call it Only Dads. Oh my god, that'd Fair be enough. perfect. That's yeah. perfect. I can do that from work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I thought about starting one called the gas station where I just like you you subscribe to it and I call you on the phone and I gaslight you the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like tell me about so- your day. And it's like, oh man, it was it was so hard today. Like I, my legs are really hurting. And I'm like, well, you should probably not be on them so much. And they're like, excuse me. I'm like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, man, you know, you gotta do better. slaps your slaps your butt do better so if you get if you gaslight a hooker is it called corner gas oh my god (laughs) do you think it's easy to gaslight a hooker like just make it their fault that you you hired a hooker somehow gaslight a hooker into giving you money because they slighted you (laughs) (laughs) okay man i just pulled up to the curb you initiated so, you know, who's really in the wrong here? Why don't we look up the definition of solicitation and we'll see who's in the wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you thought that birthday card was for you? No, it's for my eight-year-old daughter who I'm currently abandoning to be with you because you're a horrible <laughs> person. Yeah, how could you do this? <laughs> you hurt her. Uh, Once again, weird, but not a sin. Once again, <laughs> being a great dad. Oh my god! <laughs> I, you know, I, I am finding it really uh, tough that when Auditorium gets on Twitter, we're not going to be able to be the same way that we are with Losa Spooky's Twitter, where I just <laughs> gaslight people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think my my favorite Losa Spookies tweet was still uh we truly do be living in a post $5 hot and ready society. <laughs> I admit I love that one. One of my favorites is uh wonder how it feels when I tell you to google something and you find the truth and I still tell you you're wrong. That's like that's my favorite. It's like dude, I just googled it. It's like yeah, that's not true, man. So Google says it is. Yeah, I, I'm not. Sorry. I'm going to need a better source. <laughs> like, okay, literally, uh, fucking Forbes. And I'm like, yeah, you're really going to listen to the rich? They're going to tell you? Yeah. Okay. Because they have your best interest in mind. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, we yeah, a, exclusively hold- trust TMZ in this household. Um, yeah, we're a world star hip hop family. Yeah, I actually only trust this guy named Steve Smith, who posts nothing but right-wing memes all over Facebook. He's the only good source of information. Yeah, that's it. It's the only source of information, even. Speaking of right-wing memes, I think you you touched on this in in an earlier episode, but 
Honestly, I'm just loving watching the decline of iFunny. I've been I'm so glad we can talk about this. I've been I've been on iFunny. I mean, I'll probably end up on a government list for saying this, but I've been on iFunny for about 10 years now. Like uh-huh. back when it was just, you know, like bad luck Brian memes and Yeah, um, same. Now it's just horrible stuff and i'm loving it yeah it's hilarious because it's just the downfall of a meme app and it's strangely political but also like uh satirical in that they idolize people like uh patrick bateman in american psycho or homelander i think homelander is like one of the new giga chads of iFunny. Yeah, yeah um, that's essentially their god. That's their super. Whereas years ago, it was Steve Irwin, Bob Ross, and Mr. Rogers that were the the holy trinity of iFunny. And now it's just giga chads. Yeah, and now I'm just like, why is there racism on my Russian propaganda app? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Because when we end up on the list, our names will be touching. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) As long as we're close, I don't care where we are. Yeah, Yeah, as long as we're still touching. I hate that I know this now, but if you get on iFunny, anytime you're you're scrolling through there, um, if there is someone smoking weed in a meme, you already know that the comments are just going to be about how depraved smoking weed is and how you should uh you should do a thousand push-ups a day followed by praying to god and uh then sleeping with your wife and bearing five children in the anglo way they say um and then going for another seven mile run uh, followed by eating only a balanced diet of of uh, you know your Essential your fruits and veggies and, and, and chicken, except apparently being a vegetarian is gay. And well, vegetable, yeah, they say vegetables are also gay, but also eat a balanced diet. And then that's followed by another seven mile run, and that's uh, what the the typical uh, I guess I funnier thinks that they are. But, like, in reality, it's probably just some super racist dude in, like, their uh, their parents' basement that's just like, I am the true Anglo king. <laughs> There's also going to be a Duke Nukem meme with sound that says, Time to have missionary sex with my wife. <laughs> that's, that's an actual thing, man. I... What do like, you mean you lost the baby? Go find it. find it. <laughs> that reminds me of a running joke we have with the, the current like mystery D&D style game we've been playing. Uh, Landon plays a, a gay man as his mm-hmm. character of and he likes he to does. reference he likes to reference his late husband a lot and oh, yeah. every time he uh, says late, late every time he says late husband one of the other players goes, well, where is he? We'll wait. Yeah. How long do you think he's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Nick's character has these like goons that go around with him. And we like to voice the goons occasionally. And Nick um, was like, I'll, I'll wait outside for him, boss. 
But every single time I say, ah, like my late husband, yes. I also like to say extraordinary a lot. (laughs) Extraordinary. Uh, I like to say, can we please get back to investigating a lot? It's, oh yeah, it's the best. (laughs) (laughs) I really try with like D&D sessions where I know there are new players and they're not super used to it. I will lead like I did, like I ended up doing in the beginning when I just kind of like pushed us through the church part. Um, But I try not to do that too much because I want them to have the experience of like RPing and being like, I guess in a way forced or like made to like start interacting so that they can get more comfortable with it. Because there's always that, like I've noticed with newer players, there's that degree of nervousness. Um, And I'm a very like social, like kind of like, I guess outspoken person. And so when I started playing D and D, I was very much that way already. But um, notice with a lot of people, they get quiet, yes. um, as if everything is riding on their decisions and and what they say, and like literally everything they say is going to be taken in a literal sense, and they have to tiptoe. But the thing yes. is, if you're with a a fair group and you say something wrong, generally the DM's going to be like, are you sure? You know, no, and give one, you that chance. My thing is, the, the player that I dislike the most is, is somebody who runs the game, is the player that mm-hmm. when I say, are you sure, doesn't take the hint and goes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, there's a reason that was thrown out there. Like, do we... Okay. Do you really want to do that? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay. Uh, All right. All right, cool. I'll just design a combat system for my non-combat campaign. Yeah. You (laughs) suddenly die. Oh, darn. It's like you're going to be rolling a new character. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. You get a new character. Oh, cool. I can't wait to play (laughs) two. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah you know i've i think i've only played D D once and that was uh with uh you and tanner and um mm-hmm. god i was so lost the entire time you guys i think you were already in the middle of a campaign so mm-hmm. it, it was like i was sitting in i'm like Maybe. man i i I'm don't want to sure ask too ever... many questions because i, I you know i don't want to I don't want to disrupt the whole thing, but I got no idea what's going on here. See, if you're with a good group, though, they will like, I don't know if I've ever played D&D with Tanner, um, but if you're with a good group, they will definitely break stuff down for you. And I, I feel like that's so imperative in like a good D&D group is that they are very welcoming of the new player and they are slow with them because it is a lot to take in. It's a hell of a lot to take in, especially when you have all these abilities, all these things you start with, all these items that you don't know what the hell they do. Um, it it might have been before I, I met you. I think it might have just been me and Tanner and Matt, but um, yeah. No, it definitely is. There's a lot 
going on. And if you have like no outside knowledge of it and you're just like, yeah, I've heard of D&D. That sounds like fun. I think I'd like to try that. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it's not really that simple, I found out. <laughs> well, especially if you're in the middle of a campaign, that is a terrible time to introduce a brand new player. Yeah. <laughs> I I really um I like doing we had a campaign that we did um called uh well we were calling it Dungeons and Dipshits but that's already a, a YouTube thing um and we had so much fun we had uh a bunch of new players almost everyone in that game was new to D&D um and then there was uh me and Johnny and <laughs> um, so I was a sentient. Pe- I'm sure you've heard about Bradley Cooper, Bill. Um, I'm, but- I'm aware of the uh, actor. Yes. I've, yeah. I've, yeah. So, I've read some of his work. Yes. Um, so I created this, this piece of bread in this game uh, that is sentient and his name was Bradley Cooper. Um, and in this game, Bradley Cooper would store things like in his, his mouth, like this bag of holding, essentially, which is like this bottomless bag. Um, <laughs> and he had cigarettes. And I, Alpha, our DM, allowed me to have a handgun with one bullet in my uh, inventory. And we ended up getting to this scene where... Uh, we killed a bunch of goblins and the last goblin that was left, um, I asked Alpha, I was like, can I cinematic kill him? Like, can I, can I do a little something here? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, <laughs> it starts to rain. And I, I kick the, the goblin down to his knees and I pull out the handgun. And I, I forgot what I said to him, but there was a, a very dramatic line. I said, in, in this very silly high-pitched voice, this is Bradley Cooper's voice. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I shot him in the head. And then we took, um, there was one more, I believe, and we took him and we, had a, <laughs> we put him in a, a fight pit with one of our other characters and we were all surrounding him. And then we crucified him. What? <laughs> yeah, we crucified him. <laughs> and uh and then burned the place down. And that was the end of that uh that like session for the night. And our DM Alpha was just like, I don't know why I let that go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Charisma. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm just picturing, you know, all those like Renaissance paintings of the crucifixion, uh, and I'm just picturing like a, a devious piece of bread in the background and full Roman soldier gear. Just <laughs> <laughs> with a goblin on the cross. Yeah. Oh, it was great. I'm so sad that campaign ended. I am too, and I. There will be some Bradley Cooper references in uh, in future like productions. Um, Wait, you I mean just... to tell me Julius Caesar, a man who's been dead for two years, made this salad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was this uh, this part. 
of the campaign where what well, man we were bad people in this campaign i was a, <laughs> i was a very naughty piece of bread um and we ended up burning down this whole town but in the process of burning down this town i i was talking about how i was sitting on this uh this little outside eatery and i'm standing on the table with like a switchblade out like threatening a waiter i'm like you're telling me that julius caesar who's been dead for two years made this salad <laughs> it was a very naughty piece of bread <laughs> i love that yeah <laughs> naughty uh, bread yeah i really wanted to make a sentient piece uh like a sentient bagel to be his companion but i just never got around to it man you had a, a very fun character though you uh yeah. <laughs> if you want to explain your character i i played as a a goblin barbarian named Ez the duke and he was like miami he dressed in like a pink with like like miami vice suit like he had like the white blazer with the pink shirt and like the guido chain with like the like tuft of hair on his chest and he was just a general like wise guy asshole the entire time and so, he like, was also addicted to uh, our form of cocaine that we had on there. Um, <laughs> what did we call that? It was just the, the burnt ashes of the goblin you crucified. That's true. That that is what. The, okay. Yeah. So all right. That's uh, that's so bad. But yeah, he would. So, um, the night before, we knew we had like a big fight coming. And Alpha was telling us we should rest. And instead, me uh, and, uh, well, Bradley and Ez partied all night long. Um, and we ended up snorting all of the ashes of that goblin. And uh, oh going on like a drug bender. <laughs> a drug bender? It was, it was remains. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that's the thing, though, is is our DM decided to allow us to, to be high from the goblin ashes. So he let it happen. I don't know why he let a lot of that stuff happen. Oh, my God. That, but uh... we, we refer to the event now. I don't know if you're familiar with RuneScape, um, but... We refer to that as the Falador Massacre, um, which in RuneScape is this, uh, this, this story you hear about, about a bunch of people in, in uh, this town called Falador being murdered. And we ended up burning down the whole, like, the whole town because I used a lot of fire. I spread a lot of fire. Um, a lot of crazy things happened. Uh, I got a fire monkey fire. was involved. Um. I basically made Kong out of fire in a town and then Johnny became a fire spirit um, that I called uh, monkey. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Monkey. <laughs> That's all I said when I first saw him. And then I just like charged up to him and hopped on his shoulder. Cause that's how I got around in the game is I always rode on someone's shoulder. Um, and uh, honorable mention here, we had another uh, person. Our friend David had this character named Steve. And Steve was like, uh, I, I forget what his race was on there, but he was a form of like demon. Um, 
And he was like a Best Buy employee, essentially. He was like just middle middle management. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And he very much played his, his role in like going from timid middle management to like being extremely confident and, and outlandish towards the end. So there was character development for Steve. Steve really, really came full circle. Yeah, really, I really, really, I really grew came into full his circle own. too. I started yeah. playing as, as a, as a goblin and ended as a fire monkey. <laughs> monkey. Fire monkey. <laughs> Uh, that's one of my favorite things i've also recently um when i say recently but it's been like a month or two now i started streaming on twitch and that has been really fun so i've met so many awesome people on there um but i i also at times feel like my humor is like i know my streams are rated 18 and up but i feel like my humor is a bit like dark for twitch and so there are some things that i just can't say and like it's not like you know i'm going around like like saying like racial slurs and shit but like i make a lot of jokes about like death and shit that uh it, I, I guess he makes just, a lot of jokes not that would make an emo rapper blush yes exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Exactly. Um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Lil Peep is rolling in his grave. I'm not familiar with a lot of emo rappers. I'm I'm out of touch. I've aged. Man, there's there's some. Uh... I'm not the spry sixteen year old cocaine addict I once was. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it it took everything in me not to write an HBO hit series, The Wire, joke in. <laughs> In an audio drama. (laughs) And uh, I... (laughs) Like, uh, I was writing this line, and I actually just read you the finished line, but that that line originally started as, as, man, it's a good thing we had a copy of hit HBO series The Wire. You know what? I feel like we could rewrite it so that it's like people know the joke, but it's not the direct joke. Oh, yeah, it's it's legally distinct. Yeah, we're. I, I wish we could go home and watch CBO's hit series, The Telegram. The Telegram. <laughs> <laughs> the me- the that. metal line. <laughs> the metal line. <laughs> metal line. <laughs> the thin metal line. <laughs> it's it's what stops pop music from becoming metal. It's just that no, thin metal line. No, the thin metal line is just what uh, medieval people said to Palad when they supported the Paladins. Oh my god, <laughs> supporting the thin metal line. Because <laughs> they wore metal. They didn't wear blue, they wore metal. So. Did you see a sign in someone's front yard? This house backs the silver. <laughs> we support metal workers in this house. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out what letter of the alphabet P uh, P is, so I can do the thirteen twelve thing. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it's it's so good to have 
an episode of the podcast with with Bill. I I have been I've been trying to figure out like what we would even like I guess uh not necessarily like talk about but like those, you know, the voice acting stuff. I had not really thought about that prior to us like jumping into like these projects. Um well, I'm, you know, in a lot of your other episodes you talk about um online gaming and um uh, a lot of the Grand Theft Auto role-playing servers, too. But the yeah. thing is, I, I'm not really a big fan of online gaming. You know, I grew up... Uh, we we didn't really have internet. Uh, well, not mm-hmm. fast internet or more than five gigs a month as a kid. So I just grew up playing single-player games, and that's just continued into adulthood. Now I, I prefer the campaigns. I just... <clears throat> it's more like... Uh, it's more cinematic. Feels more like I'm really uh, connecting with the story. I feel than... like you and Johnny um, would get along wonderfully in terms of like like how much. You, I mean, I also love these kinds of games, but like anything, Quantic Dream is something that me and Johnny could talk about for a million years. And oh, absolutely. Like... Oh man, yeah, uh, Johnny, which one's your favorite? Which What's your favorite Quantic Dream game? My favorite Quantic Dream game, everybody always gives me shit for it, is uh, Fahrenheit, like uh, the original. Really? Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know. I like, well, because it's the first one I played. Um, but like, honestly, I personally like of the newer ones, like like the post PlayStation deal. I prefer Beyond Two Souls over all of them. Um, yeah, just that, because that's like. A good one. Just because, like, I really like the casting on Beyond Two Souls. I like the concept. I also really like the addition of the multiplayer mode on it, where one of you could play as uh, the spirit, one of you could play as the main character in it. Yeah, um, that I, I remember doing that in high school with a friend of mine. I, that was fun. And uh, Landon and I actually uh, played Detroit Become Human. Um, this is our used gun playthrough, is what we yeah. He decided to split it up. We like he played Marcus, I played Connor, and um, then we just took turns playing as uh, Kara. We we had this thing where any time the option to use gun came up, we took it, no matter yeah, how no it would affect what. the story. Yeah, you have to use gun every time it presents itself. <laughs> and the best part about that is we got the good ending. Yeah, that that's crazy. <laughs> I saw it just falling to ruin, but it, yeah, but it then turned out all right. Yeah, it it just worked out. Like we got the best possible ending. You know, and, I played that with uh, the two guys I work with, Zach and uh-huh. Sean, and um, we selected one character for each of us because uh, Zach had never played the game before. Uh-huh. So, and Sean and I are both huge fans of the Quantic Dream games. So we just all played that together. I remember I sent you a picture of the use gun option when it popped up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just brings back so many memories because I know there were so many times where it popped up and we paused the game. We were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're how like, bad what do you I- think this is going to be? Uh, what am I going to do? What am yeah, I gonna so, do? Yeah, use gun <laughs> popped up. Fuck! And there was one time where I thought it was gonna ruin the entire game when uh, there was this cop that runs past Connor and use gun popped up, and we were like, "Oh god," because like things were going well. 
Like things were going good. And then that popped up and I was like, Oh shit. And we do it. And it gave us like the best possible outcome. Like it, it really uh, did us some favors. Well, you, you know, know um, I guess they just—I guess they just founded like the basis of the algorithm off of Winston Churchill's "carry a bigger stick." Exactly. <laughs> when in doubt, use gun. When in doubt, whip out the Glock. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also something that I constantly think about. Um, this is going to sound funny, but anytime I see a goldfish, um. Yeah. Or like just a just an aquarium, like your standard like little sunfish or something. Um, because in in, in our playthrough, first the first thing that we ever said, I I walked up to the fish tank that's broken, and there's uh, that fish that's just flopping on the ground, and I was like, "Did you do this, you <laughs> sick?" fuck and i just left it on the ground <laughs> and now anytime i see a fish i just think you sick fuck <laughs> that it was directly the fish's fault the android that was holding a little girl over the edge of the roof and then all of the events in the whole game it all comes down to that one fish that, that caused the, the downfall of society sick fuck <laughs> <laughs> but uh i think beyond two souls has detroit become human beaten as far as uh emotion goes um i really think that it's it's got a as far as emotional depth goes i think that mm -hmm. that game just has a lot more gonna... value in that way but as far as how much you can impact the future of this fictional world i think detroit become human has that beat but I'm gonna go ahead and say a really controversial take, though. Oh, um, my favorite one of those games isn't even made by Quantic Dream. Which my favorite, my favorite game in that genre to this day and forever will be Until Dawn. That's such a good one. Oh, I man. still haven't played that one. I I Un haven't. Until Dawn, just it just like if you get the proper ending for Until Dawn, and it takes some damn work. If you get the proper ending. Where like uh, where it ends properly, like it is so fucking good. Like, it's it's crazy. That game really, oh. really will like raise the hairs on your neck so many times because like you have so many of those moments. It was one of those first games that introduced the like keep the controller still type thing, and I remember I would be frozen. I'd be like, I'm not fucking moving ever. Ever. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, like that. Don't move the controller, I was you'll make a noise to, and die. I was literally about to say that, dude. Like, the don't move the controller functionality in that game is the reason why I rank it so high. Because it took the motion control that everybody was using for dumb, corny stuff and made it valuable. Yeah. And that was made by the same people that made the uh, uh, Man of Madon and uh, House, House of, of Ashes, Ashes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And both of those are so wonderful. Oh my god! I, I still oh, you played House of Ashes. <laughs> yes, I I played House of Ashes. Um, and oh my god, it's good. Um, Little Hope was really good as well. I got the Dark Pictures Anthology Pack, so I've got all three games. I've played through Man of Madon twice. Um, Sean and I, uh, we are playing through House of Ashes. 
and I was wanting to wait to play Little Hope until I can get like a crowd of like four or five people together, and then we all mm-hmm. just pick a character and play through the whole thing. I know that that'll take a while, but it, you know, it's I thought that'd be fun. But you know that um, uh, you, you know that scene where uh, in House of Ashes, I, maybe this doesn't have to happen, but mm-hmm. my playthrough where uh, Rachel falls through the floor. Mm-hmm. And Eric is shouting, Rachel, Rachel. And me and Sean looked at each other and we both instantly thought of the Dark Knight. And we're like, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> me and Tanner, nope. uh, my experience with Man of Madan is a bit muddled. Um, still love the love that game. But Tanner and I played that together. And when me and Tanner play a game together, it's well, much like when I play games with you guys, it's very silly. Um, and me and Tanner decided that occasionally, uh, one of the main characters, um, uh, the guy that was, um, that if you, well, if you make the right decisions proposes to his girlfriend in the beginning. Um, and we decided that he's just super high off of a dab pen the whole time. And so occasionally during really important scenes, we would make him say absolutely nothing so that he'd just stare like a psychopath at them. And anytime she brought up like, cause from us not saying anything, we ruined their relationship. Um, and she's like, I just feel like you don't take me seriously. And then he just stares, like, stares into the void. <laughs> and she says, that's just like you. We're like, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's stoned. And what do you expect? Tanner <laughs> turns to me. He's like, I'm so fucking high right now. <laughs> like, no what's going on? <laughs> but that dude's just... And he survived the whole game. Um, and in our playthrough, everyone um, except for the boat captain... Um, and that guy and his fiance survived, but um, her her brother and actually both of their siblings died. But the dude that stays silent in serious situations managed to survive the whole time. <laughs> it's like crazy what being high lands you in. <laughs> uh, you know what game uh, was in that like sort of like almost in that genre but really wasn't that i think people gave a lot of guff to even though i think that it like was really cool was uh which quantum break i didn't play that never finished like a lot of people didn't play it a lot of people didn't play it and a lot of people didn't like the using like the the like real life recorded scenes made any sense and all this but honestly, like to me, I was like, dude, the story was really well done. Isn't and, there like, also it, a show? No. So what it is is like they took the they took the concept that they did with those interact. So they had like sections of it were like that interactive movie style game. Sections of it were like a shooter game, and then uh-huh. sections of it were little snippets of like a Netflix style series television show, like as scenes, uh-huh. and it would it would weave all three of those elements in together. And it was just like, and it was like a really cool concept, but like the regular like AAA title gamers that they marketed to just didn't fucking like it. 
That's a shame. Uh, I, man, I feel like there are some really, really good games that get put out like that that are just completely overshadowed by something. Um, well, because the game market is so predatory, I, I feel like a lot of companies will wait each other out and see when someone's going to release a game, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to release ours on the same day. Because well, fuck thing, you. The main problem that I have with modern uh, video games, like, and I've realized this is why I'm, I'm always, like, when I'm looking through, like, the marketplace to buy a new game, I'm always like, there's nothing here. It's because their whole model now is based off of the online play and how much money they can milk out of you. And then they don't innovate anything anymore. Back in the like early 2000s, leading up into like the Xbox One generation before Fortnite, like the pre-Fortnite era, that's like the mark of where it went to shit, was the Fortnite mm-hmm. era. Pre-Fortnite era, it was all about who could make the most creative and adaptive and ingenuitive game. And now everybody just makes the same game with a different game mechanic. Yeah, I'd say that's about right. And then... And then we every once in a while we get a great gem like Stray where like everybody else tries to hit you with the microtransactions but they dare to destroy the furniture. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's just it's weird. It's I, I don't understand. And then and then the worst part is when you do get a game like Stray, half of the gaming population is like, "Well, this is stupid. There's no battle royale mode." Yeah. It's starting to seem like that's the rite of passage for games now, is they have to have a, a massive online uh, battle royale mode. And, you know, like Call of Duty especially. I, I honestly haven't really enjoyed any uh, Call of Duty games since uh, Modern Warfare 2, honestly. Black Ops 1, mm-hmm. I think, was the absolute peak. And after that, I think it just slowly degraded the I last see, I... one i genuinely played was modern warfare 3 and that was so that was 2012 or 2011 when that came out as it i have a long? very yeah. very Damn. very weird opinion on call of duty games because my favorite is the one that everybody fucking hates ghosts nope advanced warfare ah yes halo you know because <laughs> <laughs> Something about playing the storyline in that, getting to kill Kevin. I think Spacey it was Infinite again. Warfare. No, no, Infinite about. Warfare was different. You know, uh, Advanced Warfare is like the where you had the Elysium style, like uh, super soldier body armor thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, Kevin Spacey yeah. was your father figure who ends up being <laughs> oh, evil. No. Who ends up being Kevin Spacey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's had a lot of practice. There are a lot of underage women who have called him daddy, so, you know. <laughs> You're just he like, I don't know the- how he could be the villain. He was he was always so gentle, even during touchy time. And they're like, wait, hold on a minute. Let's rewind. Just one second. Uh, <laughs> you want to say that again? <laughs> Yo, touchy time? You guys didn't have touchy time? Man. Man, I'll really tell you what, out. That- I'm told that it was that it was a good thing. You've never had Kevin Spacey free solo, so you know. Yeah. You wouldn't understand. Exactly. And if you <laughs> follow our YouTube uh here in the next week or so, probably actually I'll probably edit it tomorrow, you'll understand that joke. <laughs> so, and you will hate me for referencing it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Should we just break down what happened in Human Fall Flat that night? Because the- 
I'm down for the teaser. I'm down for the teaser because people will want to so, watch it. We played Human Fall Flat. Uh, I I got on Game Pass and I was looking at multiplayer games and I was like, you know what? I, I haven't played Human Fall Flat in a while, which is a, it's a physics-based game um, for anyone that doesn't know what that is. And um, you can climb in it and you can... Uh, it, it's very free with the climbing. You just kind of got to figure out the physics of it. And um, I started referring to Johnny as Kevin Spacey. And... Uh, he was grabbing my character's crotch and I was saying things like, no, Kevin Spacey, please. And uh, <laughs> then he grabs my character by the crotch and I hang on the underside of the map and I start like essentially jungle gymming my way over to the other side of the map. And we, we referred that as the way that like Kevin Spacey actually assaulted people is uh, he would hang from people's junk while they free solo climbed. Um, yeah, and because Johnny was hanging from my character's like crotch, and so I was, I was call, I was saying Kevin Spacey was having me free solo while he grabbed my junk, and I actually managed to climb back on top of the map with him grabbing onto my crotch. So I, I crawled from the top side all the way under the map up the other side of it, back onto solid ground with Kevin Spacey on my crotch. And uh, and then Johnny started chasing me, and I was screaming like, "Please, Mister Spacey! Oh my God, Mister Spacey, no!" And it was genuinely <laughs> chilling when he would almost like catch me. I got scared. <laughs> it was like I was really running from Kevin Spacey, and I was like, "Mister Spacey, you'll never find me here." And I'm like hiding in a bush for a little bit. There's a couple minutes pass by, and then suddenly he's behind me, and I scream. And uh, I, <laughs> when I pulled the the recording into uh, Filmora so I could like start editing it, I found the scream like immediately because it's the loudest thing in the sound wave uh, for the video. And I just yell and like I run. I'm like, no, Kevin Spacey. And then I uh, I lose him. And I'm like, Kevin Spacey, you'll never find me down here. And I like I climb down to the bottom of the map and then bam, there he is. And I was like, oh, Kevin Spacey was waiting for me. So now I have a weird relationship with Kevin Spacey. I, if I ever meet him in real life, I'm like, I'm going to be like, please don't free solo me. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's listening like, now, so I yeah. imagine he's pretty confused. Yeah, yeah, probably. He's, he's confused because we managed to figure out how he does it. <laughs> it's like how did they know those kids cracked my out? code my god I was keeping my that god. LA confidential <laughs> they went all LA noir on my LA confidential and uh, now I so I was on Hulu the other day and free solo popped up and I had to like click away from it I'd, I'd be like, no, I can't. I can't look at free solo the same ever again. And uh, if you and, don't and know regularly... what free solo is, it's a it's literally a a movie about a guy that climbs up this mountain, um, well, this cliff face without any kind of like harness or anything, and that's why we called what Johnny was doing free soloing. 
Uh, and I kept getting it wrong when we were talking in the video, and I kept saying freebasing, like freebasing cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> you freebased with me attached to your crotch. And then, then the other th the other thing that uh, I like to do now, ever since that video, is I'll randomly find a way to send a picture of Kevin Spacey to land. <laughs> like very subtly i will send kevin spacey related things to landon so that i can haunt his dreams as yeah. kevin spacey oh so he knows God. that a fear will be uh struck into me <laughs> if it, if landon's ever like dude i'm having a great day i'm just like it's spacey time yeah it's it's more than <laughs> and he just becomes kevin spacey <laughs> It was my favorite part of L.A. Confidential when Kevin Spacey goes, it's space and time, and then he spaces all over everybody. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. It's morbid time. Uh, that's, that's another thing. I love that meme culture could be responsible for getting sequels made. Um, I hope it is. I hope they spend so much money on it and find out it does just as bad, if not worse, than the first one. Oh, man. Uh, so... I'm gonna be honest with you. I actually don't hate the movie Morbius. I don't hate it. I like, haven't I, like, seen it. I get the confusion, and I get like when everybody freaks out because it's a Marvel movie and it doesn't follow the Marvel formula and it's not funny and like it's kind of convoluted and ridiculous. But it's a Spider-Man side character. Like it's not like he's not like. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, like, there's established lore, and he has his own comics every once in a while, but he's not, like, a big-name hero, so there's not, like, a fuck-ton of source for them to work with. So they're just like, let's make a, we'll try to make a semi-tangible story, and we'll cast Jared Leto, because he likes doing these weird roles. And I think, like, a lot of it is, like, people don't like Jared Leto just because of the way he played the Joker when he's a phenomenal actor. Like it's anytime you attach Jared Leto to a project, people just automatically hate it, no matter how good it is, how bad it is. Now he doesn't have very good chemistry with the female lead, and like there are there are t general problems with the film that don't make it a great film, but it is a passable film. It is not a bad film. So I with with Leto, I read about um, how uh, there was a movie where he played a serial killer. And he was, like, trying to be the killer. And they were like, yeah, you got to fucking chill out, man. Oh. Like, like you're really bothering a lot of people. <laughs> well, I mean, at the same time, it's like, I can't fucking hate him for being a method actor. It's a known strategy. Like, it's, I get it. I mean, it's not always a yeah. good strategy, though. It's not always a good strategy, but it is a known strategy. Especially <laughs> when you're being, like, I feel like that was downright tacky. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like it's like uh, for me, it's like it, the actors have their processes and all that shit. I'm not defending Jared Leto in any way mm -hmm. in terms of like I think he's a good person. I'm just thinking like you don't automatically have to hate a movie because Jared Leto's in it because you don't like his acting like his acting process. If he does well in the role, he does well in the role. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody bitched about Jared Leto in Blade Runner. He did a really good job in Blade Runner. He definitely did. I watched that just the other day. Like, nobody bitches about him in 
you know, Fight Club. He did a really good job in Fight Club. Like, nobody bitches about him in My So-Called Life. He did a really good job in My So-Called Life. He won a goddamn Oscar for fucking Dallas Buyers Club. Like, he's a mm -hmm. he's a phenomenal actor. So just to hate everything that he's in post-Suicide Squad because he fucking had a bad script for the Joker is fucking stupid. The other thing, like, there's plenty of actors like that where people just automatically hate a movie just because an actor's in it. You know, mm -hmm. like, Nicolas Cage is a prime example. People Matthew will just McConaughey hate a movie for me. Yeah, people will just hate a movie because Nicolas Cage is in it. And they just assume he's going to be bad. You know? Or, like, or people will see a movie with Tom Hardy in it and they'll just assume it's going to be good. <laughs> you know, like, there are some yeah. bad Tom Hardy movies, dude. Like, they exist. He's not, like, beyond, like, Capone was fucking terrible. I didn't see Capone. It's just, wasn't the biggest not... fan of Bronson either. I actually really like Bronson, but I like Bronson because I like the story of Charlie Bronson more so than I like the film itself. You know, like I think it was yeah. a good it was a good period piece about England's most violent prisoner, but it's a very indie film. So I don't judge it on the same scale as I would like say a Morbius. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I watched it like well, ten years ago. Maybe if I, I rewatched it, I might feel differently. But you know, just... this this is my whole like controversial opinion that people probably like. Oh, you're just you don't care or whatever. It's like if you make a triple A film, if it just seems to make sense and the acting is good and like it's like reasonably well produced and like it just gets the job done, I consider that a good movie. It doesn't have to be profound for me to consider it a good movie. Like. When I read the like Rotten Tomatoes, when I read the critic reviews, like they're always some fuck. They're they're always so far up their own ass, and like you got to get a move like a movie where it's like it's got like a fifty five percent tomato meter rating, which is a, a considered a flop by Rotten Tomatoes, right? And then the audience score is like a fucking ninety eight. So it's like, w who decided that these people have a better opinion than the audience does? That's like with uh, with the movie uh, Godzilla King of Monsters. The critic rating was like absolutely horrible for it because they were like, oh, it's just big monsters fighting. But then the audience score is like 90 something percent. And they're like, fuck, yeah, big monsters fighting. <laughs> the other like, one that's that... what they wanted to see. It's Godzilla. I don't need someone to have like some compassion for Big Lizard. Like, I just want to see Big Lizard hit thing. The other one that's really that really like uh, is a really good example of this is Amazon Prime has a series on it called Carnival Row that stars Cara Delevingne and Orlando Bloom, and it's set in like a steampunk dystopia with like uh, fake creatures interacted into it as like a normal human style like story. Like there's no like it's not like a whimsical magical tale, right? It's like very real, very dark, very war style but it's got like a like this war like this ongoing like social class political war between these fey creatures and the humans and all this stuff and like it's very 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 well put together they spent a fuck ton of money on it the effects are amazing like it's got a great plot great acting great everything and the critics were like it's too bloated <laughs> I was like, so when they do everything really good and they really touch on some crazy profound shit, it's not good enough But because it's bloated. But if they don't do enough, then it's fucking just terrible because they didn't do enough. So where the fuck do you want this shit to fall? Because the audience yeah. score for that is a 98. And everybody's like, I fucking love it. They made they made fairy tale creatures, like fae creatures, seem 
like real people and they brought in real class struggles and they brought in real like tones of racism and real things like that into this into the steampunk victorian era noir drama and like the audience fucking mm-hmm. loves it and then the critics are like yeah no dude it's it sucks it's it's not fucking marvel i stopped having any faith in reviewers in general when uh dude, funny enough the uh, Pokemon uh, Ruby and Sapphire remakes came out. Um, IGN gave it a 9 out of 10, and the only thing that stopped it from being a 10 was it felt too much like a Pokemon game. <laughs> well, who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. Something's wrong with that. <laughs> but then the new Call of Duty comes out, and they're like, 10 out of 10. Battle Royale is amazing. Yeah, and they also said it had too much water, but like, Need I remind you that Ruby and Sapphire, like the region, is in is a, a set of islands. <laughs> There's gonna be a little bit of water, bud. I really hate to break that to you. There'll be a little bit of water. That's like saying I didn't like Animal Crossing. There was too many animals. Yeah. The animals were crossing too much. <laughs> Crisscross. Crisscross. <laughs> Yeah, um, did I tell you about uh, my New Year's resolution for this last year uh, while we're speaking about Marble? Marble, marble Comics? Um, yeah. Yeah, marble, marble Comics. Um, yeah, I, I just got kind of tired of missing out on all the, the, all the conversations it, about Marvel and uh, all the memes that I wasn't really getting. So I decided, you know what, this year I'm going to watch all the marvel movies like and um so this year i've watched uh just about three dozen uh superhero movies back to back so now i i can say with full confidence not a fan all right so here's the i mean it was here's the thing is i i watched them all like back to back so i was so fatigued with it by the end i was like oh great the good guy wins again who would have thought that well the the other thing you have to consider though is like the marvel movies the reason they were such a phenomenon is because of the waiting between the films like if you watch i remember that was the case with harry potter yeah, if you watch them all back to back, you're like, oh, cool, it's superheroes. But if you actually like waited and you watched the slow build and you were actually like a really big comic book fan and like you saw your heroes come to like your favorite superheroes come to life in a movie that wasn't like camp like Blade was or isn't like super, super, super poorly done like Spawn was or anything like that, you finally saw it get the money it deserved, it get the acting, the acting like casting that it deserved. You finally got the effects it deserved. You finally got the main stage of it. It was mm-hmm. a really cool thing to watch as it played out. Now, as an older like like Marvel fan who like saw it all happen, when I go back and watch them, they're not as good. Anymore. Like they're just not like they're not ama- they're they're amazing in the fact that they uh, were able to create a cinematic universe that was successful and like the model is amazing. But you're seeing it now. It doesn't work forever because, like, all the new stuff that's coming out for Marvel, people are like, "This is bad. This, like, why are we still doing this? We already had the f- finale to this. You've killed off characters that people love already. Like, we don't need more." Yeah, I see what you're saying, and um, you know, I never really read comic books as a as a kid, so I. Um, and it, but and I, I found I'm a I'm a much 
bigger fan of uh, DC Universe than I am of Marvel. I mean, same part of it is just the the one-liners and the you know quirky dialogue and their attempt at comedy. Sometimes uh, it it just misses the mark. Well, yeah, I guess. Uh, at some point, I... it was almost cringy, but you know, it just. Um, but I see what you're saying, though. If if you yeah. rather than watching them back to back, if you actually anticipated it for a year, like like I said, uh, I grew up watching Harry Potter, so I, it, every year I was excited to see the next Harry Potter movie and buy the next Harry Potter book, and it was a huge family tradition. But you know, w- watching all the Marvel movies, all thirty something in the MCU, just back to back. Was just self injurious, but <laughs> my whole thing is like, uh, when it comes to Marvel, the only ones that I will go back and like rewatch are the Netflix series, like, because they were phenomenal. They like the Daredevil series didn't try to be like the movies did, where they tried to make it family friendly. They were like, no, we're making it dark, bro. This Daredevil, bro, like, it's gonna, it's gonna be violent, dark. You're gonna the main character get bruised beaten battered all sorts of messed up he's gonna like want to quit he's gonna get shot he's gonna be hospitalized like they made it like real and i like that's that I, I like that you know and not- and that's that's where i think dc beats out marvel in my opinion for a lot of things is dc has always been real aside from, with superman and wonder woman aside right you put away the gods in their universe all of a lot of like the detective comic side of the action comics DC merger. The detective comic side is amazing. You got Batman super dark, super real. You've got Green Arrow that's super dark, super real, but has that little little taste of comedy in it. But it's tasteful comedy. It's not ridiculous, over the top comedy. And then you know you got like Constantine that's super dark. You've got Ghost Rider that's super dark. Like they they're they're one hundred percent grounded in the reality of like. These are comic books for teens and adults. They're not designed for children as much as Marvel comics are. Marvel comics are more for like personal identity and like uh, things like that. You know, like they're very grounded in identity politics and, you know, civil rights movements and things like that, which is like, yeah, it's they're very real and grounded in reality in a way, but it's not the same as like, Oh crap! I don't know if the hero is gonna make it like DC does. DC loves killing their superheroes in comic books. They're like they don't always come out on top. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think that that might be what made uh, Watchmen really special, in my opinion. I, I thought that, um, you know, when I watched all those movies, they weren't all Marvel. Some of them were DC, and I found the ones that were DC I I liked more. Like I also watched. Uh, the Dark Knight trilogy for the first time this year and loved that. Absolutely loved it. But Watchmen, I think, really took the cake. I think, um, to this day, uh, I think uh, that's probably my favorite superhero movie as far as drama goes. For comedy, I'd pick Deadpool. But uh, for uh, drama, I I think Watchmen. I I think Rorschach is probably my favorite. My actual my actual favorite movie for the adaptation of a comic book ever though will always be The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Really? Yes. I love that League was, of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That was 
I watched that one, and I watched it because those are all like my favorite books. Like my my top my top three favorite books. Two of them are Dracula, which has Mina Harker, and King Solomon's Mines, which has Alan Quartermain. So I was so excited to see that. But then I don't. Know, I felt like they were trying too hard with to make uh, Jekyll and Hyde be the Hulk, and um. Well, so for me, it's because I read the graphic novel, so I understood going in what the plot was going to be, what what it was going to be like, how the characters interacted, and how it wasn't necessarily true to literature. Um, yeah. How so do you feel about uh, Sean Connery as Alan Quartermain? I actually really enjoy his portrayal of the character. I wouldn't have picked him myself to be the character, but I like his portrayal of him. In it. It's yeah. very stoic, very proper, and uh, honestly, I think like the character that makes it for me personally is the guy they got to play Skinner, the Invisible Man. Um, the guy who plays Skinner does a phenomenal job of getting that like good, like wise guy crack in there. Yeah, you know, like being being that asshole who stole the formula. You know, like he's not it's not your typical Invisible Man. You know. Yeah. Mm. And I, I just I wish like, his, I like what that Rorschach's mask too. wasn't my parents fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he brings the Watchmen up. <laughs> like in the middle of our extraordinary <laughs> gentleman talk, he's like, you know what? I was looking at Rorschach's mask, and I just know yeah. I got some demons, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my only my only gripe with Watchmen is I think it's too long. Um, yeah, especially, to, especially the director's regularly. Cut. For me to ingest it regularly, I think it's too long. I do love it as a film, and I love it as a single watch film. But I, I don't think I'm ever going to go back and rewatch Watchmen unless I've got like a fuck ton of time to kill. Um, whereas like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is short, sweet, to the point, and it's it's and it's and it's made before the big boom of superhero and comic book movies. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, it was. it's it's as good as it is in an era where our comic book movies suck. So if you grade it next to its peers at the time it was made, it is a phenomenal adaptation in comparison. And it, it was nice to see, you know, some of the heroes of uh, old literature brought to life because, you know, I, I've seen the movie adaptations of King Solomon's Minds. They all suck. So I, it was really cool to see Alan Quartermain turned into a hero, you know. And, yeah, uh, I, I think Sean Connery did a good job. He brought a a little bit of James Bond to the role, which was good because uh, I, I can really then, see Quartermain being that kind and of. And then and then they gentleman. have they have really good complex plot twists and relationships built into that film too, like the relationship between Quartermain and Tom Sawyer, like being like this father to son like relationship, really plays a good like you know character development role in there. You know, and then you've got like Captain Nemo. They don't, they didn't like uh, whitewash him, you know, like they left him as like what he should be, you know, like they didn't, they didn't do any wrong with like other than, you know, it just being slightly campy. Like that's the only, the only real gripe I have about it is it's slightly corny, but that's just how comic book movies are. They're just going to be corny. Why do you think it didn't score that well, like on IMDb? Well, because it came out it came out in a time when superhero movies were seen as like a fallacy in the industry. They weren't seen as like an industry standard like they are now. 
Like even the Sam Raimi hmm. Spider-Mans when they came out, people were like, "These are going to be bad." They just they really? have this expectation that they're going to be bad. And and Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is responsible for making the superhero movie a valid movie concept. Because he was able to take a superhero and accurately portray it. Now, going back and watching the Spider-Man films, I don't like they're not as good as they were when I was a kid, right? Cuz movies have progressed beyond it. So for me, when it comes to like judging a movie's merit, I usually just compare it to films of the time as opposed to films of all time. Yeah. You know, Landon and I talked about this before. I, I want to hear your opinion. Uh, who do you think was the best Spider-Man of uh, Tobey Maguire, Garfield, and Tom Holland? For me, it's Andrew Garfield. Same. Because he reminds me of the animated series Spider-Man in like all the right ways because like if you go back and you watch the animated series he's a very mature uh well put together person as opposed to being that like i'm super awkward all the time or i'm look like i'm 45 and i'm supposed to be playing a teenager you know yeah yeah like my my whole thing with andrew garfield is like a lot of people are like well he's too confident to be spider-man he's too He's too brash and bold as a as Peter Parker to be Spider-Man. I was like, that's who Spider-Man is. He's always been bold. He's always been brash. He's always cracked wise crack jokes all the time. Like that is who Spider-Man is. And I think like the the choice to not use, you know, like the Green Goblin as a villain in the first movie and the choice not to use like one of the major villains and like go for the lizard as the as the origin cuz the lizard is his first villain. Like in actual canonical sense like the lizard was spider-man's first villain oh he was yeah yes dr connors dr curtis connors was the first bad guy in a spider-man comic so like if we're talking like staying true to the comics and staying true to what's like like the the hobgoblin and the green goblin are like way later in in the uh like plethora of spider-man i also really like those movies because Gwen Stacy is his high school girlfriend, not MJ. Oh god, yeah, Gwen Stacy's way better than MJ. I mean, well, yeah, my whole, Stacey. my whole, my whole thing is like, you can't have Spider Man without the loss of Gwen Stacy. It doesn't make sense. It does not make canonical sense to not have Gwen Stacy die at the hands of the Goblin. That is what sparks the Green Goblin being his arch nemesis is the death of Gwen Stacy. Now, I do not like the fact that they skipped over the goblin completely and went straight for the hobgoblin with Harry. That's the one thing that I don't like about those movies. And I do not like the portrayal of Electra. So the second movie, not so good. But the first movie in the Amazing Spider-Man series, I fucking loved. Every minute of it. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was pretty good. I also really like Paul Giamatti as, as Rhino. And I'm so sad I never got to see him in the Sister Six movie. Because that was the next movie we were going to get. Amazing Spider-Man 3 was going to be a Sinister Six movie, and it was going to be Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. And then when Marvel went up and fucked all that shit up and bought the rights to Spider-Man to give us the crappy Tom Holland performance. I mean, it's not crappy. Like, it's a good Spider-Man. It's just not the Spider-Man that I like, you know? Like, there's a lot of people who love that Spider-Man, and I I don't have a problem with it. But to me, Spider-Man has always been the confident, wisecrack Spider-Man that garfield portrayed so i wanted to see that spider-man go up against the sinister six i didn't want to watch you know 
and I did, and the other thing is like they in the Marvel movies they they took my favorite Spider-Man villain and ruined it because Mysterio has always been my favorite Spider-Man villain, and they completely fucked him up. Like they, it was a great concept of a character. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's not Mysterio. Like Mysterio's motivation shouldn't be Tony Stark told me I was I was bad and fired me. Like no, he's a disgraced video effects artist who made practical special effects and he uses practical special effects to pull off extravagant crimes and trap Spider-Man. That's such a cooler character than eh, Tony Stark was mean to me. I'm gonna take his company from him. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm Tony Stark. Yeah, I just like for me. You're it's Squidward. Like, He's Squidward. <laughs> sorry, I got like Spider-Man is a very like he was my favorite superhero growing up. So it's like for me, it's like I have very strong opinions about Spider-Man. And don't get me wrong, I love the Tobey Maguire movies in their own right. Like they're 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 perfectly fine films. But to me, like the actual character of Spider-Man that I grew up watching wasn't Tobey Maguire. It was the animated series Spider-Man. Yeah. It was an important step in the development of superhero movies, too. Yeah, like, the the animated series of Spider-Man and the animated series of X-Men were my bread and butter as a kid. There's actually an X-Men audio drama. Oh, they're also Uh, making a new season of the classic series. It's got three seasons. Wow, I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah, they're bringing back the 90s uh, X-Men and continuing it with a new series. That's of, what like, the, uh, the X-Men audio drama is. It's a uh, essentially like a branch off of that. Um, and it I I like it. I've only listened to like one or two episodes cuz I just haven't I haven't gone back to it. Um, also also the one thing that really depressed me about X-Men was Shia LaBeouf losing the the ability to be Wolverine? Because he was going to be their next Wolverine, and I think he would have actually done well. Huh. Unpopular opinion coming from me, as always. But I love Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> and I think Shia LaBeouf has the right build, the right like short guy Napoleon complex to pull it off. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing about Hugh Jackman's Wolverine that I don't like is he's too tall. Wolverine was short. I believe Hugh Jackman is pretty short. But in comparison to the other actors they cast, he looks tall as shit. Oh, never mind. He yeah, he's Hugh yeah. Jackman's six one. Yeah, but like in in canonically, like Wolverine's like five foot seven. Like he's not a big Yeah, he's, he's a, a small guy. Yeah. Like, Sabretooth is tall. Like, yeah, you can have a big-ass Sabretooth. And, and I will say the recasting of Sabretooth actually made me really happy when they did X-Men Origins. Um, I didn't like the original portrayal of Sabretooth in the X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely do like Lee Schreiber's version. So, Wolverine stands at 5'3 and weighs 300 pounds, largely thanks to the adamantium skeleton. Yeah, he's he's oh. fucking tiny. Yeah, that's why I said guy. like Shia LaBeouf is the perfect person to play Wolverine. He's short and stocky. Because <laughs> uh, he would have bulked up for that role for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, but like, I mean, 
uh, that's the Wolverine that we need. We need a short, stocky Wolverine. And I don't, I can't think of actors within like acting that I would be like, that's the next Wolverine. You know, I that love that in the uh, in Deadpool, there's that scene of him going up and executing the Deadpool from uh, X Men Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he fucking shoots him. Uh, <laughs> fucking awesome! I don't know if you've seen that, but it's uh, when he says when he... we fixed that mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a trailer. It's not actually in the movie because in the movie, the only appearance that the original Deadpool makes is the action figure. It's the uh uh fuck I forget if it was on like Hulu or Netflix or fucking whatever but it's uh it's a bonus scene when he does the time travel thing. Oh okay. Yeah. He also shoots himself when he takes the Green Lantern job. He's <laughs> like Yeah. You're wel- you're welcome Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's another movie where I was like uh where I think it just it got a bad rep when it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, what, like Green, Lan- no, no, Green, uh, Lantern. Green Lantern. Uh-huh. Green Lantern was not that bad. Like if you like, I, I implore you to go back and rewatch Green Lantern and tell me like exactly what's wrong with it. Because I like to this day, I don't know why people hate it so much other than the CGI. Like that's the only like, I don't know why people hate it. I get it. He's not the right person to cast for the Hal Jordan comic book character. But on its own, in a film regard of plot following through from start to end, acting being good, and, you know, just general suspense, it's a good movie. I mean, fair enough. I, like, I don't really have any reason not to like it. Yeah, there's just there's no reason to not like that is the one that makes zero sense to me. Like it it like there's no reason to hate that movie. I remember the first time actually for some reason I remember this, but like the first time that someone had said like they made the joke about that movie being bad and everyone laughed and like in my head I was like, "Uh yeah, that movie was bad." Yeah, Shit. like Oh, I remember I was like obsessed with that movie like after it came out. Like I went and saw it in theaters and I like went out and bought like Green Lantern merch and shit and I was like, fuck yeah, that movie was great. So like I don't understand how people can hate it. Like I really don't because everybody I knew who saw it at the time that it came out was like, that movie's awesome, dude. I fucking loved it. So like it's like Nickelback. Like everybody used to love Nickelback at one point and then suddenly everybody started to fucking hate them out of nowhere just because it was the cool meme thing to hate it. Mm. Like don't don't fucking play with me, dude. You listened to Nickelback in the early two thousands. Like, don't even play like you did it. Like they were on the radio all the fucking time. Like, do I personally enjoy and seek out new Nickelback music? No, but I will admit, and that at some point in time, I listened to Nickelback and I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, yeah, like it's I'm not relatable. It's not a it's not a crime to like something that everybody else doesn't like. It's not a it's not a crime to enjoy things mm-hmm. for being quality because whoever fucking made it thought it was quality when they made it. So it went through like 300 people's fucking eyeballs before it made it to that goddamn movie screen. So there's at least 300 people who liked that film. Yeah. Like, like, and, 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 and you could take any shitty thing and make people like it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, look at 
rap music nowadays. There's a lot of really shitty rap music that everybody fucking loves. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not going to tell them that it's bad. It's bad to me, <coughs> but it's not bad. I'm not going to have it like, like, you know, like go out on the internet and be like, oh, all rap no. music is trash. Fuck well, this shit. You know shit. what is bad? Ah. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Yeah. Objectively. Yeah. Objectively. <laughs> you, you literally can't argue with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like you're like unpopular opinion, but <laughs> I, I, like, I I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like I I'm not not to be like angry on, on the podcast and not be funny, yeah. but like it's it's like my biggest pet peeve in the world is when something is quality and everybody just hates it because everybody else hates it. Yeah. Yeah, it's mob mentality. Yeah, it's it's stupid. It's a dumb, stupid thing to do. Like for me, like I don't look at reviews anymore. I just watch the fucking movie. Uh huh. I don't I don't listen to my friends who recommend me movies anymore unless it's like somebody I like who knows what I like. I don't like go out and watch like the top like blockbuster movie just because it's the top blockbuster movie. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch the trailer. If I get a good vibe from the trailer, I'm gonna go watch the fucking movie. And then you know what? I'm gonna enjoy my time at that movie. I'm gonna appreciate appreciate it for what it is. If it's absolute dog shit, I'll appreciate the fact that I no longer have to watch it anymore. You know, but like I'm not I'm not the type of person who will walk out in the middle of a movie. I'm not the type of person who will be like I'm not gonna shit I'm not gonna shit talk somebody's hard work like after the movie's over. Like I'll I'll talk shit like indirectly like as like uh, like jokingly with the buddies like we do with the room mm. and like birdemic and shit but like to me like the the standard for a bad movie is the room like so if you're better than the room you have a good movie like i don't know man i don't think anything's better than something that uh superstar legend uh tommy Wiseau made <laughs> so but I don't like know the that room we agree even there, but I, I, I but the room even comment. proves that you can make a bad movie and have the world's largest following. Oh yeah, yeah. Sharknado is another example of that too. Velocipaster or Troll like, Two. <laughs> With Sharknado, what I have uh, what I've seen is that like apparently they take whatever money that they make from the previous movie to make the next one, and. Uh, Apparently, we'll keep getting them until they don't make money. So that's pretty sick. (laughs) (laughs) I also like my thing is like there's so many good things that come out of bad movies, too. I mean, look at Mystery Science Theater. Like they literally just watch really shitty fucking movies. And crack jokes about them. And that is the premise of Mystery Science Theater. I've actually never seen that. Yeah, that's that's all Mystery Science Theater was. The plot of it is it's its own thing. But what they do is they just show really shitty sci-fi content. And then it's like this guy who's being tortured by somebody to watch shitty movies for the rest of his life. And two robot companions just talking shit about the movie while it plays. So I I did some Googling here and there's six Sharknado movies. Um, And there's the first one, Sharknado, and then Sharknado 2, the second one. Sharknado 3, oh hell no. Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens. Um, Sharknado (laughs) 5, Global Swarming. 
Um, and then the last Sharknado, it's about time. And I got to read this description to you. Finn has to go back in time to rejoin his shark battling friends to stop the first Sharknado and save humanity. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also, you know another movie? Also, like, uh, I just want the sequel to, because I know it was literally all exposition and I need the sequel movie, is Power Rangers. Yeah. Oh, there's a seventh one. Sharknado, Heart of Sharkness. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. you know you make bad movies and you just, like, purposefully make them worse. Yeah. It's the best. It's the yeah. best. <laughs> Heart of Sharkness. I think I think the other thing that makes it so that I can't hate a movie is because I love trash cinema. So like even if a movie is absolutely horrible, I'll still love it for being absolutely horrible. Yeah. You ever seen Troll 2? No. Oh god. Do do yourself a favor and uh Oh actually, my god. Well, I I'm not sure if I'd recommend it or not. There's uh, a spin-off. It's trash, but it's there's a spin-off of There's Sharknado. There's a spin-off called Lava Lantula. And <laughs> it's like Lava Tarantula. And then the second one is Two Lava, Two Lantula. <laughs> oh, oh, that's funny. That's really good. You know what movie I think actually does suck, though? What? Cowboys and Aliens. I see. I liked Cowboys and Aliens. Like I, we like, we don't get enough like real cowboy sci-fi, and like I know there's Westworld and everything, but like I'm talking like alien sci-fi. Well, my thing is my favorite Western sci-fi of all time will always be Firefly. Firefly is pretty tight. Firefly is Western sci-fi. Where's more Firefly? We know you guys are listening. Listen here, Nathan Fillion. You make me more Firefly, you son of a bitch. Yeah. (laughs) I don't care care if it comes out when I'm dog shit old. I want (laughs) more Firefly. (laughs) Also, congratulations on being promoted to Spartan. That's true. What? Uh, in yeah, he's a Spartan Halo now. Halo Five. Uh, you oh. know, that's something I I didn't get because you know Spartans are supposed to be like bred to be Spartans from children. They Spartan are twos. In, yeah, they're like indoctrin. Oh, okay. So yeah, Spartan twos are. Um, he well, is a he's a Spartan three, which is like just a soldier that's become useful enough that they're like, hey, use this suit. So, like, he's not genetically modified or anything. Like, he's not as strong as, like, Chief is. But he's a Spartan 3. Yeah. When you're playing ODST, you know, they everybody's shorter. And you when you're playing the game, you feel shorter just because the Spartans are fucking huge. But uh, yeah, I noticed in Halo 5, the scope he's... of that in ODST. Like, how big elites are and how big grunts are. Yeah. They're like the size of an average human, right? Yeah, like let me see how tall. Well, is is it Master Chief supposed to be like seven foot five or some shit like that? Yeah, but the, yeah, if I remember correctly, in Halo Five, they had uh, Buck be as tall yeah. as the other Spartans, which 
struck me as kind of odd because you know just well in the sorry, me, they are much taller. Let me um, let me also, also break an it average down grunt now. is five six. Yeah. Oh, so they're they're Tom Cruise sized. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise is five foot three though. God. Guess Tom Cruise is Wolverine, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then an elite in Halo measure between seven foot four and eight foot six. And Master Man. Chief is seven foot two. So He's now our listeners guys. have the heights of Halo characters. So there you go. You're welcome. Now what how tall is John Halo though? Uh, man, that's un- honestly unknown. It's it's like uh, Obama's, last, Obama's name. last name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one knows. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for having me. I've had a great time talking to you guys, and well, all yeah, all out there, you listening. Be sure to like and subscribe. Yeah. Also. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. It helps our reach, and we really need it. We're begging. Please, Kevin Spacey. I know you're a terrible person, but, you know, (laughs) maybe do something right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, hit us up. uh, You know, send me some hate mail. I I always appreciate the hate mail. Um, Death threats are welcomed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, threats to my life. Send me a picture of my house. Unsolicited um, nudes. Exactly. Yeah, dude, dude. We will rate your dick pics one hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. I'll I'll rate a dick pic right now. <laughs> Seven. Uh, you don't get to see it, but yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you for listening.